Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast with your hosts, Reese Downing and Jacob Workman. What is up, guys? It is TNT Podcast NFL Edition Week 2. With me, as always, is my dude, Jacob Workman. Workman, what's going on, man? What's up, everyone? Great Week 1. Finally, have some NFL to talk about. Ready to go to Week 2. I don't know if it's necessarily a great Week 1. We started Week 1 in the NFL, kind of how we did Week 0 in college, but hopefully that's a sign of things to come because we've been kicking ass the past couple weeks in college football. If you guys aren't listening to our college uh, podcast, you should be because we would be making you money. Uh, So please check that out. You can find it on our YouTube channel, which if you're watching this, this is where you found us already. So just go look at the college stuff and then start throwing money down. Um, all right, so let's jump right into it here. Uh, first things first, let's talk very quickly about the uh, records that we have so far this year. Workman is currently sitting at six and 10 with wins on the Baltimore, Jacksonville, Green Bay, Miami, Philadelphia, and Jets game. I am currently sitting at four and 12 with the Baltimore, Jacksonville, Dallas, and Jets games. Uh, before we jump into some recaps here, I do want to cover some week one injury report stuff just so you guys know what's going on. Starting with the Baltimore Ravens, um, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley has a knee injury. His status is currently unclear. Sticking with the Ravens here, we have Tyler Linderbaum. He also has an ankle injury status unclear there. Free safety Marcus Williams has uh, what appears to be a torn pectoral muscle, which they called a shoulder injury uh, during the game, but it looks like he could be out for some time. And then, unfortunately, for the Ravens, finally, to round that out, we have J.K. Dobbins, who has confirmed he has a torn Achilles and is out for the season. Uh, Keeping it moving right along here, Carolina Panthers' J.C. Horn, who, for whatever reason, cannot seem to stay healthy. He had a lot of promise coming into his career, and I really hope he's able to turn around. But he is dealing with a hamstring injury. Status is unclear there. The Chargers' Austin Eckler uh, suffered an ankle injury. It appears like he's going to be okay, but his status is currently uncertain for Week 2. The Colts' Anthony Richardson also suffered a lower body injury. He did end up coming back in and seems to be okay, but he's coming in a little bit banged up. He's got to learn Seahawks, how to slide. Yeah, yeah. Take. I don't know what it is with Colts' quarterbacks. He needs to, <laughs> to look at some Carson Wentz footage and realize exactly. how important it is to get on the damn ground. Yep. Uh, and from what I understand, he had a conversation – before we move further into the injury report, he had a conversation with Trevor Lawrence after the game. And that was the one piece of advice that Trevor Lawrence gave him was you've got to learn to get on the ground, dude, because this is not college football. Uh, These, these are grown men out here and you are going to get hurt. Uh, Moving right along here uh, with the injury report, Seahawks, Tyler Lockett is dealing with a possible concussion. So his status is unclear for week two. They also have offensive tackle, Charles cross who suffered a toe injury. Those x-rays are negative, but he is also in question for week two. The Green Bay Packers' Aaron Jones has a hamstring injury. His status is not clear. He seemed to be telling his teammates that he is okay on the sidelines, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Moving into the Pittsburgh Steelers, Deontay Johnson has a hamstring injury, and he is going to be out for a few weeks. They've announced that today. The Steelers' Pat Fryermuth, he also had a chest injury. Status is unclear there, but they think he's going to be okay. Muth. 
Las Vegas Raiders, Jacoby Myers, uh, appears he suffered a concussion, so his status is unclear for week two. The New York Giants uh, offensive tackle Andrew Thomas also suffered a hamstring injury, a lot of hamstring injuries in week one. Um, his status is unclear for week two. The Browns' Jack Conklin has suffered a left leg injury. He was carted off the field, and I believe I read earlier that he is out for the season. So Can I, can I add? Uh, I need yes, to add please. Uh, please add. To the Giants' uh, injury report. The entire team? 53 guys with hurt buttholes. Yes. That's, yeah. That was a very... That was awful. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Not for me. It was beautiful for me, but it was bad for the Giants. And we'll we'll talk about that here in a bit. And people uh, Minnesota- who might have bet on the Giants. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, was that you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should have listened to me. Minnesota Vikings, Garrett Bradbury has a back injury. His status is unclear for week two. Uh, Steelers also have Cameron Hayward. He has a groin injury. It looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks. The Eagles, Nicobe Dean had a foot injury and looks like his status is unclear for week two. And then rounding this out here, we have the Texans, Jalen Petre, kind of an odd injury. He tackled Lamar Jackson and then stood up and was coughing blood. So they have diagnosed him with a bruised lung. His status is unclear for week two and the elephant in the room last night, four plays into the game. Very unfortunately, whether you're an Aaron Rodgers fan or not, it sucks to see. Uh, Aaron went down and they have confirmed it is an Achilles injury and he is out for the season. So a lot can be said here. Obviously week one, you're always going to risk having injuries because everybody's going full force the full for the first time. That said, there was a lot of rough games and there were also a ton of injuries. Does this have anything to do with them cutting the preseason short by a game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's why the offenses look so bad. The offenses were terrible. I've never seen so many fumbles and balls on the ground in, in the NFL in my life. It was it was a pretty disastrous start in week one for a lot of offenses. Um, yeah, to, not, to, not pretty. To ca- yeah, to carry on with what you said with Aaron, though, I, I was finally going to be able to watch him this year and kind of root for him. It, with him being in Green Bay, I never could really root for him on the field. In fact, I've cussed at him quite a bit through the television and in person at Ford Field. Um, but I don't, he's not a player. I hate, like, I, I absolutely love watching him play what he can do with a football. He's probably the only person in the NFL that can do a lot of those things. Like he's very impressive with what he can do. Um, it really sucks for jets fans. One thing I do want to say though, is uh cut the shit with saying that you're the most like troubled franchise. I've seen you guys in multiple AFC championships. Like the lions are still far ahead of you in the we're shitty department. So <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want to hear any of that stuff yet. Um, but it it is terrible. Um, interesting now to wait and see what happens. Does he does he try to do the rehab and come back and play, or was that the end of his career? Man, I hope that's not the case because I I was really looking forward to seeing him play with Garrett Wilson and some of these pieces on the Jets offense. I I know he's up there in age, and I know that you know he was contemplating whether he was even going to come back or not. I think yeah, this I, happens so early in the season that barring barring Zach Wilson stepping up and, and taking the next step as a quarterback. I I think Aaron gives it one more shot. I'm hopeful of it anyway. I would hate for that to be the last time that he's on the field. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I there's, there's two ways I look at it. One is he could come back kind of with that curtain call season, like say, this is going to be the last year. Let's, let's give it a run and see what happens. But the other thing is I I've seen a lot of interviews with Aaron over the years on Pat McAfee. I, I feel like I know his way of thinking, and that's an interesting thing because he's out there. But 
I, this might be his, the universe was telling me that I shouldn't have came back. He said he was 90% retired before he went into the darkness. And I think it was just a little thing that, it, it was more of spite against Green Bay, I feel like, that he wanted to still play. Yeah. Um, I, I think that might have been, that he might see that as, hmm, this was my sign, I shouldn't have came back. And maybe, maybe he will be done. But we'll see in the next few months. Hopefully he comes back. I'd like to see him one more year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would like to see him one more year. If he doesn't, you know, thank you, Aaron, for all the entertaining years of football because the 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 product of the NFL was better with him playing. So yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump into some recaps on some games. We're just going to cover a few of them, uh, starting with the Thursday night football game, which turned out to be a hell of a, a game here. The Detroit Lions step into one of the toughest stadiums in the NFL and come away with a victory, winning a very competitive 21 to 20 game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Casey went into halftime up a touchdown, but Detroit came out and scored twice in the second half while holding Casey to two field goals in order to take the win. Uh, for Detroit, Jared Goff finished with 22 of 35 for 230 or 253, excuse me, in a touchdown. David Montgomery led the backfield with 21 carries for 74 yards in the touchdown. Jameer Gibbs finished with seven carries for 42 yards and also two catches for 18 yards. Josh Reynolds led the Detroit receiving squad with four catches for 80 yards and Amon Ross St. Brown finished with six catches for 71 yards and a touchdown on the Kansas city side of the equation. Pat Mahomes finished 21 to 39 for 226, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he also led the rushing attack with six carries for 45 yards and the law firm Marquez Valdez Scantling was the leading receiver with two receptions for 48 yards. So my question to you is this Mike Tarico at the end of the game mentioned that this win for Detroit has an asterisk next to it asterisk next to it because Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey were not playing. He's gotten some shit for that. A lot of a lot of NFL fans have uh, have kind of raised their voices around how they just simply don't agree with that. So, what you know, being a Detroit Lions fan and watching the game, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I like Mike Tirico, but that's a crazy statement to make. Like, we went to what's arguably one of the toughest stadiums in the NFL on Banner Night to open the NFL season. Um, last time I checked, Andy Reid was still there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was still there. That's a pretty big deal. Um, and also, it's not like we just came off of we didn't we weren't even in the playoffs last year. Like it's the Lions. Um, I there's a few things about this. One, I was in shock when they showed this the stadium crowd shot at the beginning of the game, how much blue there was. Like Arrowhead, you don't usually see that. There was a lot of blue there, and multiple times in the game through the TV, you could hear the let's go lions chants. I Arrowhead was kind of taken over by the Lions. Also, what's left out is uh, we didn't have Jamison Williams. We didn't have Sutton, the corner. So it's not like we were 100% healthy either. So I I don't know. I, I think it was kind of a bullshit statement. But in the end, what does it matter? I mean, we're 1-0. Great way to start the season. No one, the bat, everyone was against the Lions in this game. It's an absolute great way to start the year. Yeah, I agree with you. And frankly, if that's the argument that it has an asterisk next to it because Chris Jones and Kelsey were there, then, well, you did your job by winning that game. So yeah, right. E either way, like I, I don't agree with the statement. I do like Mike Tirico. I, I think he's one of the better uh, guys out there that's that's commentating for the game. But yeah, I did not agree with the, the statement. 
All right. Uh, next game we're going to recap here is the Miami Dolphins versus the Los Angeles Chargers. We talked about this uh, last week about how we, we both seem to think that it was going to be a definite shootout. And that's exactly what happened. Miami kicked off the season with the 36, 34 victory against the Chargers and SoFi um, game was a, sh- a shootout. Just like we thought these teams seemingly traded blows back and forth all the way to the end of this game. We had touchdowns from both teams every quarter, and it was literally tit for tat throughout the game. I think the last score of the first quarter and the first score of the second quarter was uh, Miami. And then after that, they literally just alternated throughout the game. Uh, Tua finished with 28 uh, for 45 with 466 yards passing, three touchdowns and a pick. Raheem Mostert led the rushing attack with 10 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill also went off. 11 receptions for 215 and two touchdowns. The Chargers side, uh, Justin Herbert went 23 for 33 for 228 and a touchdown. He also had a rushing touchdown to kick off the third quarter. Austin Eckler had a good game, 16 carries for 117 yards and a touchdown. And their leading receiver was Keenan Allen, who had six catches for 76 yards. So my question to you is this, Tua, was this performance a flash in the pan or is this a sign of things to come this season if he stays healthy? Now, I think it's definitely more of a sign of the things to come. Um, I, it was a well-designed offense by McDaniel. I, for some reason, they were playing Tyreek and man coverage still late in the game. I, I still don't understand their philosophy on that one. only thing I would like to see change is I think they need to run the ball just a little bit more. I don't like Tua throwing that much. Um, I know it was well-designed and it was working, but I still think to save him just because of the health issues he's had, I think you need to at least bump up to probably seven to ten more carries a game at least. But uh, I do definitely like what I'm seeing out of Miami. I think that was a great start to the year for them. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, pull back a little bit on the the passing there and increase the runs a little bit, which I don't think is necessarily out of the playbook from Mike McDaniel. He likes to run the ball. So right. uh, I think it's just all about getting the the ball in the hands of the, the fastest guys on the field. And in this particular game, he was like, let's, let's let the cheetah loose and see what happens. So really, really fun game. And we're going to talk about uh, the, the, Miami Dolphins um, playing the New England Patriots here coming up in a bit. So next game we have here is the 49ers and Steelers. Workman and I both picked the Steelers to win this game, and that did not happen. San Francisco walked into Pittsburgh and made a statement, thumping the, thumping the Steelers 30-7 to to kick off the regular season. Uh, San Francisco built up a 20-point lead into the first half before the Steelers found the end zone, and the Steelers just never recovered. Uh, San Francisco's Brock Purdy finished 19 for 29 for 220 and two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had a really big game. He rushed 22 times for 152 and a touchdown, including a 65-yard run to kick off the third quarter. Brandon Ayuk also had himself a game. He caught eight balls for 129 and two touchdowns. On Pittsburgh's side of the ball, Kenny Pickett threw the ball almost 50 times. Uh, He went 31 for 46, but only had 232 yards passing. He had one touchdown and two picks. Najee Harris was their lead rusher, which was a problem because he only had six carries for 33 yards. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Allen Robinson was the lead receiver after Deontay Johnson went down. He finished with five catches and 64 yards. The Steelers ran the ball 10 times all game and threw almost 50 times. I know this 49ers defense is tough, especially against the run, but you can't win football games running the ball 10 times. It's not going to work. Um, the Steelers have the pieces and names on this team to ball out. My question is, was the hype about the Steelers coming into the regular season all for nothing, or is this more of a testament to how good the 49ers are? Yeah, I, the Niners are good. I mean, I think we both had them as our two seed in the NFC when we did our predictions. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> clearly they're good. They're loaded. Uh, that defense is incredible. I, I think I think we had a little bit of a mix. I think the Steelers did have a great preseason, so it's a little bit of the hype of that. But what sucks for them is they had to start the year playing the 49ers defense. So, and I think that kind of skewed it a little bit. I I do how I mean clearly just like what we said with Miami, you've got to run the ball a little bit more than ten times. Like that's not enough. That's not going to work. Um, Matt Canada, I've always been skeptical of the Steelers offensive coordinator. So I, I think these next few weeks are going to be pretty large because he's one that if, if we're going to get an early season coordinator firing, if this continues, uh, he will be gone probably by week seven that we, they will not allow that to continue. Tomlin's not going to allow that, but I do think it's a little bit of a mix of both. Niners are very good. Steelers. I, I think the hype is, is real. I think, I think we just got to give it a few more weeks. I think we need to see them against a defense. that's not the 49ers. Yeah, I agree with you. It's obviously extremely early in the season. We're only into week one, but you've got to get Najee Harris the ball more. That's just, it's not acceptable for him to have six carries in a game, in any game, unless he's injured. Bar none. All right, uh, let's move into the Packers and Bears. So the Green Bay Packers get a big win on the road, putting up 38 points to get the win against the Bears. So the final score there was 38-20. First half started off kind of slow. They went into halftime 10 to 6 with Green Bay leading, but in the second half, the the Packers lit up Soldier Field. They put two touchdowns apiece in the third and fourth quarters, respectively. Jordan Love finished 15 to 27 for 245 and three touchdowns. Aaron Jones read the rushing, led the rushing attack with nine carries for 41 yards and a touchdown. He did step out for a bit, and that ended up getting AJ Dillon some more touches. Uh, AJ Dillon actually ended up with 13 carries to Aaron Jones's nine, but AJ Dillon only made 19 yards out of that 13 carries. Uh, Jones also led the receiving group, uh, finishing with two receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown. It is worth uh, noting here that Romeo Dabbs, who had four catches, only had 26 yards, but two of those catches were touchdowns. On the Chicago side of the offense, Justin Fields went 24 for 37 for 216, one touchdown and a pick. He also led the rushing attack with nine carries for 59 yards. Darnell Mooney led the receiving squad with four receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown. So super early assessment here, but is Jordan Love the next franchise QB in Green Bay, or was this three-touchdown performance more shedding light on the inefficiencies of Chicago's defense? Yeah, it's too early to tell. I I love I, I like what Love did, um, but we have to remember Chicago was the worst team in the NFL last year. So I, they had the number one pick for a reason. I know they traded it, but they were still the worst team in the NFL. Uh, they were getting a lot of preseason hype. I I still don't quite understand that. And I was like we've talked about the last few weeks. I've still been pretty big on Green Bay. Like I don't I don't understand the hate that they're getting by a lot of people. Um, I. It's another one we'll watch it as the week as the weeks continue. But I mean, Love, he's played in two games now. He played against the Eagles last year. Now he's played in this game. And I mean, you couldn't ask for more from him. He's done pretty solid. Uh, I, I do know it's more of getting to see more of what LaFleur had planned as opposed to with Aaron there, because Aaron kind of had they had to change the game plan just a little bit because he wasn't gonna play in all that nonsense. But I think love with LaFleur is going to be a good combination. Um, It's should to see what continues, but I mean, for now there's no question. He's definitely what they want him to be in green Bay. And I think, I think we'll see it continue. I agree Uh, Too, you know, obviously too early to tell, but uh, you know, things are, are looking good moving in the right direction for green Bay. Uh, I was not as high on them coming into the season as you were. So we'll see how things shake out as we continue to move forward here, but solid start for the green Bay Packers. I don't know if you uh if you saw so Fields threw a pick to Quay Walker 
And it was one of my favorite plays I've ever seen in the NFL. He literally just picked it off and just started running it. He, he literally just plowed a guy and then just stopped and turned around with the other direction. It was it ended up being a pick six. It was absolutely hilarious just watching it. <laughs> it was awesome. No, I didn't get a chance to see that, but I'll have to check it out. I, another thing that was surprising to me with this game is the the receiving numbers. I mean, Darnell Mooney led the the squad for receiving. DJ Moore only had two catches. They gave away a haul to get DJ Moore in a Bears yeah, uniform. It's a problem. Chase Claypool had zero receptions. And he, uh, people were putting clips of him on, on Twitter because he was literally just standing. I mean, I know he's kind of been a troubled player to begin with, but he's just been like standing out there doing nothing. Like he's, yeah. he's a waste of space. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but so far the additions for the, uh, the, the Chicago bears team do not look great. All right, let's move into uh, the best game I've watched in a while. This Cowboys versus Giants. I'm going to try to get through this without grinning like an idiot the entire time. This game was by far the most lopsided game of the week. Dallas walked into a rainy New York City on full tilt and did not slow down until that final whistle blew. They beat the Giants 40-0. to zero. This game saw a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, an interception return for a touchdown. That was just in the first quarter. The Cowboys had three rushing touchdowns. They didn't need a single passing score from Dallas. Um, you'll see that with the numbers here from Dak Prescott. They were they were safe in what they were doing, and I appreciate that because there was no reason to try to air the ball out. Dallas's defense wreaked havoc against the Giants in every facet of the game. The Giants had less than 175 yards of total offense. Um, that that defense, man, it ridiculous. Uh, seven sacks. I mean, they were just all over the place. Dak Prescott finished 13 to 24 for 143. Tony Pollard started the season saying Ezekiel who, because he got two touchdowns inside the 10 yard uh, in the red zone inside 10 yards, 14 carries for 70 yards and two touchdowns. CD lamb uh, read the led the receiving group, four catches for 77 yards. Uh, Cavante Turpin also got a running touchdown. And I love that because that dude is quick and I like getting him the ball. I really like how they're trying to implement in him into the offense more. On the Jets side of the ball, Daniel Jones finished 15 to 28 for 104 and two interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown, like we just mentioned. Saquon Barkley had 12 carries for 51 yards, and newly acquired tight end Darren Waller finishes the leading receiver, grabbing three receptions for 36 yards. So, as much as I want to talk about Dallas, let's flip the script here and talk about the Giants. Coming into the season, there was a considerable amount of hype that the Giants were improving on both sides of the ball. And a lot of people thought the Giants were going to compete with the Cowboys for that second spot in the NFC East with the assumption that Philly's number one. Was this a sign that things have not improved or does this speak more to how good Dallas's team is on defense? What were your takes on this game? Yeah. I mean, clearly Dallas's defense was unbelievable. Um, one thing that really stood out to me, so the, the very first drive of the game, the Giants started the, the game with the ball, kind of drove down the field. Like, they were making progress, decent drive. Jones, I think he had, like, 20 yards, 25 yards rushing right off the bat. Like, I mean, yeah. they, they went down the field pretty successfully. Then third down, they terrible snap. He has to go dive on it. Fourth down, they blocked the field goal for six. I mean, it – and they went quickly downhill from there. Very like, quickly, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was over. Like, I don't – so I don't know what that first drive of the game has to give you some sort of hope, but you also have to be able to finish. And, and why was that all you could do? Like second drive of the game, they didn't do anything. 
third game, third drive, fourth drive, fifth, rest of the game, nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, and and also like why why was Daniel Jones still in the game? Like they had him in there in the fourth quarter still. I'm like, what what is going on? He's literally dying. It was like we were we were I don't know being witness to murder pretty much. So I I don't know I I, I again it's one of those things. It's week one. I do. I do think we need to see some improvement quickly from the Giants because that was not what people were expecting. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the weather, so there is something there. But that that game quickly got out of hand with the Dallas defense. So I think we chalk it up to, again, kind of like the Pittsburgh game. We talked about the Niners defense. Like, chalk it up to that to start the year and see what we get the next couple weeks. But it, it could be a similar story to Pittsburgh. We, we need to see some changes. We need to see them quickly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely some offensive changes need to happen. They need to try to get the ball to Darren Waller more because they don't have anybody else on that team to catch passes. Uh, Saquon, he like I said, like you were saying, he had a decent start to the game. Like they were moving the ball down the field there on that first drive, and I was like, you know, here we go again. Like I thought this this yeah. defense was tightened up a little bit more, but we struggled against the run last year. We made some moves to try to solidify that, and it didn't look great in the first drive. And I don't know what happened. I mean, I, obviously there was some momentum there with that blocked kick that got returned, but uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people comment about the the weather being a problem, but both fucking teams played in that weather, yeah, so I don't want to hear that. Yeah, right. You know, like we were they were both there and the Giants had more incentive to win that game because of the you know, the nine eleven stuff that was going on. Like they they had a, a pretty big spectacle of all that stuff and they did that for yeah. two nights in a row. So the Giants had a lot of reasons to come out and play good football there. And I, I don't know, dude, I, I love this team. I am a realistic Cowboys fan and I'm, I'm not going to jump down the, the bullshit where everybody's like the last time they had an opening game that was this good. They were, it was 1995 when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. I'm not buying into that garbage, like completely different team, completely different coaching staff. I'm not buying into any of it. That said, Next this weekend when they play the Jets, we need to score some points on offense. I know that we were conservative because the Cowboys didn't need to be aggressive, but Dak still went 14 to 27. That's not fantastic. And they added weapons on offense. Um that McCarthy running plays. If we're gonna be a run first team, I'm all about it because that keeps the ball out of Dak's hand and, and forces is not forcing him to make a bunch of down the field throws to hope that CD land can jump up and grab something. Um, so anyway, we'll see what happens. I was really looking forward to this week's game. I'm still looking forward to it, but it's got a yeah. lot less shine on it now that Rogers is out. Right. So yeah, I agree that um, that was, I was, <laughs> I was very much looking forward to this game. And I, at this point, I mean, I, I, I know we're going to pick it later, but that was one of the losses I had for Dallas on the season. So obviously I'm flipping that to a win now. I, I just don't, it, it's a huge deal. I mean, the jets, you got to think we, we took a lot of wins off people's schedules because they were playing the jets. And now, I mean, Zach Wilson is going to have to prove a lot and a lot quickly. Yep. So it, I mean, I know we're going to get to them a little later, but still that's a, a huge change and I, I think very beneficial for teams playing the Jets early in the year like Dallas next week I, I think that is a huge deal for them yeah for sure well speaking of the Jets let's jump into that so recap here this game was a defensive battle through and through it did not have the fireworks that we all wanted to see with Rodgers going down four plays into it with that season ending Achilles injury 
Zach Wilson steps in all signs at that point were, you know, here we go back to the same old jets. It took him over time to get it done, but the jets maintain composure. The defense balled out. They forced three turnovers, a fumble, uh, three sacks, uh, you know, on their way to an overtime win off of a, a punt return from that undrafted rookie and hard knock star Xavier Gibson, which was pretty cool. Um, I had just watched the, that, that last episode of hard knocks and saw him get the, the job, which by the way, completely sidebar here, but hats off to Robert Salah for not airing all of those cuts and only showing him yeah. giving good news. Like hats off to him, man. I, I like the way that guy, they, this is the second year in a row where I'm like, this fucking coach is awesome, dude. Like between him and Dan, like we got some solid dudes uh, that are showing up on hard knocks as far as coaching staff goes. And I, I really appreciate that he focused on, on the the positive sides of, of the cuts in, instead of the negative. Cause that that's, that shit gets kind of cringy. Yeah. Um. All right. So as we just mentioned here, obviously the, uh, the jets came away with an overtime win on a pot return uh, touchdown uh, from Xavier Gibson. Uh, Zach Wilson finished 14 to 21 with 140 yards, one touchdown in the pick. Reese Hall, very, very efficient. Led the backfield with 10 carries, 127 yards, uh, plus one catch for 20 yards. Dalvin Cook led the team in carries with 13, but he only had 33 yards total. Uh, let's chalk that up a little bit to him, you know, coming in very late here. Hopefully he can he can turn the the Jets on, part of the pun, uh, so to speak, and, and get things rolling a little bit. But Brees Hall is nothing to shake your head about. Uh, he's, he's a stud. Uh, Dalvin Cook did have three catches for 26 yards. Alan Lazard led a relatively mediocre passing performance out of the Jets. He had two balls for 46. Garrett Wilson finished with five catches for 34. On the Bill side of the equation, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more, Josh Allen, 29 for 41 for 236 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. He also had six rushes for 36 yards. James Cook led the rushing attack, 12 carries for 46 yards. Stefan Diggs had a very Stefan Diggs game. He caught 10 balls for 102 and a touchdown. A lot of those catches came on the last few minutes of the game where Allen was just tossing them to Diggs every single play. And I'm like, what the hell are the Jets doing? Like, put sauce on him. Like, whatever. I don't know what needs to happen, but like they were they were letting the that Josh Allen Stefan Diggs connection happen way too much there leading the game. Uh the Jets should have won that game outright, frankly, before but the Jet the Bills drove down the field and, and got that late field goal from Tyler Bass. So here's my question. Josh Allen, three picks in this game. That makes 20 picks since the start of last season if you include the playoffs. Everyone gives Dak Prescott shit. And if Dak Prescott would have had a game like this, they would have been all over him. Like ESPN would have had 17 programs for 17 hours straight. They would have been talking about how terrible Dak Prescott is. Yep. You predicted earlier this year that the bills were going to have a real potential to regress to the point that you left them out of your playoff predictions. So here's my question to you. Two part question. One, do you feel a little bit more confident about that prediction? Because it, the way that they played yesterday seems to, to lean towards the, the fact that, you know, they could be potentially regressing and, a little bit more of a playful question. You're starting a franchise with the goal of winning the Super Bowl in the next three years, and you have the options of Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Do you pick Allen above any of those guys? Uh, so I'll start with the first question. I would have said, yeah, I feel great about that pick, but I think Rodgers being out, yeah, helps, helps the Bills a little bit. That's the only problem with it is because I, I think they're going to win a few less games now, which that's what I had as the reason for them out. Um, 
but I, I mean, it's still clear as day. We're going to have to see something out of, he's got to have to change or they might miss the playoffs regardless. Um, uh, my, my question to that quarterback question is, is, am I, am I the bills? Like, do I have the bills roster and coaching that for these quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, I would just say you're a expansion squad, the Charleston workman's well, I mean, part of it, that, the reason I asked is just because part of it, a lot of his, who are the teammates with these guys, but uh, uh, I would probably take, I know this isn't a popular take, a lot of people love Herbert, but I would probably take him over Herbert, but I think that's the only one. I, I think I would take uh, the uh, Mahomes, Hurts, Lamar, Burrow, definitely for sure. Um, I, I do think I would probably take Allen over Herbert if, if it was the Chargers situation though like if I was taking over the Chargers I would still take Herbert but if I'm the Bills I want Allen I know it's kind of a weird stipulation there but no I mean it makes sense the teams are structured a little bit differently and and Allen runs the ball better than what Herbert does so he gives you a different dimension to the offense so I get it um yeah I just I, I I think Josh Allen gets a lot of credit that he, or I should say, he gets a lot of passes that other quarterbacks in the league don't, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I agree, and he, it, I, it's not really talked about a lot enough that since Dable's left, I mean, Dable was a huge deal with Allen. Like, you've seen the regression with him since Dable's been gone. Like, I, I don't know why that's not. I mean, you hear it occasionally, but that's a bigger story to me. Like, I, Ken Dorsey has not done anywhere near what Dable did with Josh Allen. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, that's our recap uh, for week one. Uh, Let's jump into some week two picks here. So uh, starting with week two on Thursday, we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, The Eagles are sitting at minus seven. That game starts at 816 on Amazon Prime Video. Kirk Cousins and the Vikes head into Philadelphia to face Jalen Hurts. Minnesota is coming off a 17 to 20 loss to Baker and the Bucks, while Philly comes off uh, or comes in one and oh after winning a very tight matchup in New England. Kirk notoriously does not play very well in prime time, and he had a pretty sloppy game last week. The Eagles are favored here by a touchdown. Do they respond, or does Philly make a statement in the first game of the season? Uh, yeah, I think Philly's offense comes to a little bit more life. They got the week one game with New England out of the way. Now I, I think they're ready to roll. I talked about I do not like Minnesota. I picked them to finish last in the in the division. I think it continues here. I, the fact that they lost to Tampa really scares me because – Tampa is not good. Um, I don't know. To lose that game at home to open the year is is a big deal to me. I, I think Philly covers this one. Yep, I'm right there with you. Yeah, that, that loss to Tampa Bay was not good, and this Philly team is not Tampa Bay. They are a hell of a lot better than that. So uh, I think this, uh, this spread's a little generous on the Philly side, so I'm with you. I'm going to take the Eagles minus the seven. So, all right, let's jump into some 1 p.m. matchups on Sunday, starting with Green Bay at Atlanta. Green Bay comes in 1-0 and after winning a very convincing game against Chicago last week while the Falcons are riding high after a 24-10 win against Bryce Young and the Panthers. This is the second run-heavy team the Packers are facing, and we saw what they did last week. Tight spread here with the Packers coming in at minus 1.5. Does Green Bay start a road game winning streak here, or does Atlanta lock in another one at home? Yeah, this one concerns me a little bit. I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, 
I, I'm going to take Green Bay minus the one and a half, but this is one of those where I could go either way. I'm kind of on the fence. I, I really like Atlanta here, but I, I think this is where we get that determination is what's Green Bay going to look like this year. This is kind of a big game to go on the road again week two and see if they can come out with a win. I'm going to take the Packers minus the one and a half. Okay. I'm I'm taking Atlanta in this one. I I liked how they looked last week against Carolina. I think they keep that momentum rolling in Atlanta. Uh, keep the ball on the grounds. Keep the keep Desmond Ritter making smart passes and and leaning on uh, Algier and Bijan Robinson. And uh, if they can keep that momentum going and and keep that formula in place, I think they can squeak win out here. It's potentially going to be a three point victory, but with you know Green Bay giving them one and a half, I'm going to take Atlanta. Moving into the next game here, we've got the Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Justin Field and the Chicago Bears are heading down south to Tampa to face Baker and the Bucs. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sitting at minus three. Chicago got the worst kind of love last week in the form of Jordan Love, and Tampa Bay is coming home after a three-point win against the Vikings, which we just talked about. Tampa Bay is the second solid rush defense that Chicago has faced, and they have some decent secondary pieces too. Not the best team in the league, but Baker does have plenty of targets on offense between White and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So who do you have in this one? The thought of Tampa being 2-0 and is kind of crazy to me, but tough. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Tampa at home minus the three. Um, we definitely need to see some from the Bears this week. Season will be telling, I think, pretty quickly. Kind of the same with the Packers. I think we're going to learn a lot about the iffy teams this week because uh, the Bears are playing a, a pretty mediocre team in Tampa. So I I don't know. I'm going to take Tampa. I don't like that pick at all, but I'm going to take Tampa minus the three. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got the Bucks minus the three. I don't like this pick at all either. I think that it potentially could be a push. Uh, but yeah, as of right now, I think there's potential there for for Baker and the Bucks to, to continue a little bit of momentum after that week one road win. And so I'm going to take the Buccaneers minus the three. All right. Next game here, the Seattle Seahawks head East to the motor city after getting smacked by a Cooper Cupless at Los Angeles Rams team uh, to face the Detroit lions, which are coming off a huge win in arrowhead. Seattle won a shootout against Detroit last year, 48 45 and does not want to start the season. 0 two while the lions want to keep the momentum going in a season with very high expectations, but the lions favored by five and a half. Is it eat them up time for the Lions, or are they going to get plucked by the Seahawks? Yeah, so Seattle more than likely looks like going to be without both starting tackles. Um, I know Lockett might play, but the tackles are the big deal to me. Um, as long as the referees actually call when a tackle lines up and false starts every play. like I, I don't understand how the Chiefs got away with that every single play last week. But uh, I think Aiden Hutchinson really comes to life here. I did just see what Stafford did to Seattle's defense. He basically sat back there and just picked them apart. And the Lions' offensive line is way better than the Rams' offensive line. Um, plus, we've got the uh, – Dan Campbell came out and said, Ford Field, we, we want to hear the decibel record be broken this weekend. I think this will be the loudest game in Ford Field history. I think this crowd is going to be insane. And I know Seattle's used to noise, but they're not used to noise on offense. I think this is going to be a huge deal. I, give me the Lions to cover. I'm right there with you. I've got the Lions covering. I think that this is potentially going to uh, 
shake my thoughts on Seattle a little bit because coming into it, I thought Seattle was going to be able to keep the momentum from last year and potentially make the playoffs again. But if they start the season 0-2, it's not going to look good for them. Um, you know, this is a five-and-a-half-point spread, so it's got to be more than a field goal. But I think Detroit's first game at home, they've got a lot of expectations this year. There's a lot of hype around this team. Dean Campbell has got this team, uh, you know, rocking and rolling, uh, especially if if Dan Campbell's talking directly to the Lions fans and saying, we need you to show up and show out. Um, I, I think they do that. We've obviously, you and I have both been to a lot of Detroit Lions games and it's a fun atmosphere, even when they don't have a good team. Right. I've never been there when they have a good team. So I can only imagine what Ford <laughs> Field's like when it's loud and, and the team's, team's doing well. We've, we've seen some fun teams there, but not anything like this team is structured. Um, yeah, I think... Jared Goff is going to have a field day with this secondary. And yeah, I've got Detroit with the, the minus the five and a half. Next game we have here is the Las Vegas Raiders at the Buffalo bills. Uh, they're traveling East coast after squeaking out a win in mile high last week against the Broncos to face a bills team that just lost that heartbreaker in overtime against the Zach Wilson led jets team. Jimmy G and Jacoby Meyer seem to have found some chemistry um, although I think it's uncertain at this point whether Jacoby's going to play. While Josh Allen did not start the season out on the high note, it's a pretty big spread here. Uh, it's eight and a half for Buffalo. McDaniels has some experience going up against the Bills squad, you know, coming from New England. What's your take on this? Um, I think it's just a little bit too much. I, I didn't see I, – I like the Raiders plus the eight and a half. Um, I, the Bills haven't proven enough to me yet, and the Raiders have the weapons on offense to still score points, even with Myers out, so – I'm going to take the Raiders plus the points. Yeah, I'm I'm again right there with you. I I if this would have been a six and a half, I probably would have leaned the other way. But eight and a half is a pretty large spread. Uh, I think the Raiders can come in here and keep it close enough. So I'm going to take that eight and a half points and, and the Raiders uh, right there with you. All right. Uh, next game, we have the Los Angeles Chargers are coming to Nashville after a tough high scoring loss against the Dolphins to face Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, who are coming off their own heartbreaking loss on the road against the New Orleans Saints. The Titans have a very strong running game, but their passing offense leaves something to be desired with a struggling Tannehill. While Herbert Eckler, Keenan Allen and company know how to put points up the board, put points on the board and put them up quickly. LA is only favored by three here. So how do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, it Tannehill's the question to me. I I actually like Tennessee in this game. Just I think we go back to the picks from the season. I have the Chargers missing the playoffs also. I, I just the only thing is is Tannehill was so unproductive that I, I think I'm gonna flip my pick because I, I think I'm gonna go with the Chargers minus the three just on the fact that Tannehill has to do something, and I don't think he can. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got uh, – I'm taking the Chargers minus the three. I think the Chargers have shown that they can put points on the board. They did that last week. Uh, the team is healthy. I think that was part of the problem with them last year is Herbert was dealing with the ribs, and then they had some other pieces that were, that were injured uh, that made it difficult for them, and they still uh, ended up having a relatively decent season beside, despite all of that. The team's now relatively healthy, so um, I think after putting up, you know, thirty plus points on Miami, they're going to come in Tennessee, and so I think they cover the spread. So I'm going to take the Chargers minus the three. Yeah, this is going to go a long way in the uh, the Brandon Staley hot seat. Also, I if they start zero and two, I think we're going to start to hear some rumblings already. Yeah, I agree. 
Next game we have here is the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. So battle of the rookies commences as Anthony Richardson and the Indianapolis Colts hit the road to face CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans. Both teams are coming off of losses with the Colts losing 31 to 21 to the Jags at home last week and the Texans losing the, to the Ravens in Baltimore, 25 to nine. The Texans actually had more yards on offense than Baltimore last week, but they gave up over a hundred yards rushing while Anthony Richardson scored with both his arm and his legs seems to have a working chemistry with Michael Pittman. This is the toss-up game, and Vegas agrees because Indy's only favored by a point. So what are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I'm i pretty t- – this is tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Colts. I, I liked what I saw enough from them last week. I, I do think Richardson needs to protect himself quite a bit better, but I, I do like what I see from the Colts, and I, I think that they might just be – they're a little bit ahead of their time. I think they're a little better than Houston right now. Houston is – going to be good i think but i think it's still a little early for them I, i'll take the colts now minus the one yep i'm taking the colts minus the one anthony richardson i really hope you listen to trevor lawrence and start getting on the ground because your season is not going to be a full 17 regular season games if you don't get on the ground these dudes are not college athletes and he's going to get injured and it's going to be bad um he's got plenty of history to see that so i don't understand why his coaches aren't in his ear more. And I know you're trying to make a play and he doesn't have that much experience in college, frankly. So like maybe that's part of the problem, but yeah, I, I enjoyed seeing him play. Like he was fun to watch. Uh, I like the dynamic that he brings with his feet. Uh, He, he threw the ball better than I thought he was going to. Um, So all of those things considered, you know, I I've got the Colts winning this one, Uh, but yeah, Anthony Richardson needs to take the advice that's being given to him and protect yourself. Because if you want to make a career out of this, you, you can't, you can't do what you're doing right now. All right. Baltimore Ravens travel to Ohio to face the Cincinnati Bengals should be a fun one here. Baltimore's coming off that 25 to nine victory. We just discussed against the Texans. Why Burrow and the Bengals could not find the end zone last week. And they got thumped by the Browns 24 to three in Cleveland. Obviously, last week was Burrow's first game back from his injury, so there's some rust there, but this Ravens defense is not anything to shake your head at. Cincinnati is at home, and they're favored by three and a half. Who are you going with? Uh, yeah, so I picked Baltimore to win the division. I think it's uh, this is gonna, the game's going to go a long way towards that. I'm taking Baltimore plus the three and a half and to win outright. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm taking Cincinnati on this one, uh, minus the three and a half. I think uh, Burrow looks at this game, studies tape, sees all the the issues and problems that arise and the the Bengals turn it around here um i it's going to be a close game obviously it needs to be a little bit more than a field goal uh, which is why vegas made that at three and a half but i can see this game being this like a six point game i don't know that it'll necessarily be seven but i can see a two field goal difference here so i'm going to go with cincinnati at home Next, we have the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes traveling to Jacksonville to face Trevor Lawrence and the hyped-up Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chiefs are coming off a tough loss at home against the Detroit Lions, while Jacksonville gets their first home game of the season after handling the Indianapolis Colts. This should be a really fun matchup. These are the two teams that a lot of people are talking about being in the one seed heading into the playoffs. The Chiefs are favored by three. They seem optimistic that Kelsey is going to be back. Uh, but I don't think that's been confirmed yet. The Jags have a lot of weapons. Did the Chiefs start 0-2? Because I don't think anybody would have seen that coming into the season. Yeah, I'm. the thing is, uh, one of these teams has to start 0-2. <laughs> that's the, that's a, yeah. Or the Chiefs, I mean. But the, uh, I, I don't know. I just think the NFL has a way of correcting itself. I don't think the Chiefs have 
any possible way to be 0-2. So I'm taking the Chiefs to cover. The offense should be – I think Kelsey will be back. Chris Jones, I believe, is going to be playing also. He did sign. I, I think he's going to be playing also. It's a huge deal and a huge boost for the defense. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Chiefs to go ahead and, and cover this one. I had Jacksonville until the Chris Jones news came out. I think that's a difference maker. I think they can the the Chiefs could get through this game without Travis Kelsey, but I think Chris Jones brings a different dynamic. Um, Pat Mahomes has shown time and time again that he can make any level of offensive player look good, and I think that the Travis Kelsey piece was obviously a, a missing piece in the game last week, but I think the Chris Jones piece was uh, a deeper impact. With him being on the field, and especially if Travis Kelsey is going to be on the field, um, I'm going to take Kansas City here, uh, minus the three. All right, so that wraps it up for the 1 p.m. game. So now we are going to move into some 4 p.m. action, starting with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. So in a game that looks more interesting than perhaps it did before week one, 49ers ahead in six hours south down the five to visit Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. San Fran put on a dominant performance last week against the Steelers while the Rams walked into Seattle and shocked everyone with a very convincing win minus Cooper cup. Uh, the Rams are overmatched here and we've discussed how LA stadium does not really bring them any sort of a home field advantage. San Francisco is favored by eight here. Do they expose the holes that's in LA's defense or do the Rams keep it close enough to be able to cover that eight? No, I'm a, I'm a kind of a big believer in history when it comes to this game. And outside of the NFC championship that the Rams beat the Niners the year they won the Super Bowl, the Niners have pretty much killed them. Um, I don't I don't really think this is close. I, I'll take the 49ers minus eight. This probably ends up like a 20-point win for San Francisco, if I had to guess. Yeah, I've got the Niners here as well. I don't think it's going to be a 20-point win. I think they might be able to keep it a little bit closer, but I could definitely see it being a 13-point victory for the Niners. Um Again, to your point that you've you've made multiple times before, uh, there is no home field advantage when you're playing at SoFi. So that coupled with the fact that he still doesn't have Cooper Cup. I mean, Sean McVay is going to, I think, keep this as close as he possibly can dealing with the guys that he has. But L.A. is just overmatched and this. The San Francisco 49ers team is not the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm going to take the Niners minus the eight. Next, we have the New York football Giants traveling west after getting blown out by the Cowboys to face an Arizona Cardinals team that made their loss last week against the Commanders closer than I thought it would be. Uh, Daniel Jones and company got embarrassed on national television, and the Cardinals are playing their first game of the year at home with Joshua Dobbs under center. The Giants are clearly going to come into this game pissed off and are going to feel like they have to make a point. They're favored by four and a half here. Who are you going with? Yeah, Um you hope this is their their get right game. I, I'm gonna take the Giants minus the four and a half. If if they if they do not win this game, there's big issues in New York. But I, I think uh I think they get back to life here. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh Arizona, I am surprised I'm gonna be surprised if they win a game this year. Um I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Giants to turn it around and kind of show the NFL that they're not as bad as that 40 point loss to start the season. 
Um, I think the week Martindale and Debo and those guys are going to, uh, to get the team fired up. So I see them going into Arizona and handling things pretty well. So this will be probably, I think a 10 point victory, but I'll go ahead and take the, uh, the giants minus the four and a half. Uh, next we've got the Dallas Cowboys facing their second big apple team in two weeks as Zach Wilson and the New York jets ride a big win against the bills into Dallas to face a Cowboys team that held Daniel Jones and the giants to zero points while putting up 40, this game, obviously, we just talked about, does not have the same feel to it now that Rodgers is out for the year, but Jerry World typically has visiting teams coming in to, to show out. Uh, Dallas's offense was a balanced attack, uh, but they didn't need to be aggressive due to the defense keeping the Giants on its heels the entire game. The Jets' defense is not the New York Giants. They are much better, so they're not going to be able to play it safe this week. Dak's going to have to make some plays and score some points. The Cowboys are currently a 7.5-point favorite. Who are you taking? Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Jets. I I think Dallas wins the game, but I think their defense is going to keep it. If if it was six and a half, I would take Dallas. I, I like the hook. I like the seven and a half. I like the Jets. I like their defense. It wouldn't surprise me if Dallas doesn't get a defensive score late in the game to cover, though, just because... Yeah, Zach Wilson came in last night, but he wasn't having the plan. He just kind of was on the just going. When you actually prepare and stuff like that, things are a little different. And I, I could see a pick six or a fumble, strip sack fumble or something to get the Cowboys to cover. But I, I'm going to give the Jets defense the benefit of the doubt here and, and get them to cover. I think this might be a really low-scoring game. I think it's it definitely has the potential to be a lower-scoring game, but I – I don't think the Jets are going to be able to keep it within seven and a half. Uh, Zach Wilson, still Zach Wilson, and Dan Quinn knows that. He's going to be throwing the heat at him. Micah Parsons is playing every play like he is pissed off at everyone, and that team is fast. I mean, they are all over the fields. Uh, I think it's going to create a lot of ghosting for Zach Wilson. Um, he may get popped a couple of times early in the game, and he's going to – start seeing 13 people in the field. Like what happens when I play you in NCAA football, when you <laughs> good, um, I'm, I'm taking Dallas here to cover the seven and a half. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 10 to 13 point win. And again, like I, I, I was way more excited about this game going into the year with Rogers here. I just, I, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. All right. Moving right along, in the last of the 4 p.m. games, we have the Washington Commanders coming in 1-0 and after beating the Cardinals last week to face a Denver Broncos team that lost a close one to the Las Vegas Raiders and is looking to turn it around. Sean Payton needs to wake up Russ in that offense, while Sam Howell does need to tighten things up if they're going to compete down the road as the season progresses and their t- opponents get tougher. Uh, Denver currently is at a minus 3.5. Where are you going? This one's tough. Um I, I'm going to give Denver the, I'm going to give them the cover. I'm going to have them win, but Washington, I mean, they were a little sloppy in that game against Arizona, but Denver was pretty sloppy also. And Sean Payton in his debut decided to start the season with an onside kick. It was an interesting choice. I just, I I don't know. I think, I think Denver at some point has to get right. So I'm going to pick them for this week, but if they don't win and cover this week, I might never pick them again. That this might be the, (laughs) the, the last chance I give them. Yeah, I've got Denver covering the three and a half here as well. So that's what I'm going with. Um, I th- I think obviously the 
Sam Howell was sloppy, and that was against an Arizona Cardinals defense. The Denver defense is tougher than that. Um, so I'm I'm leaning on the fact that Denver's going to tighten the ship up here a little bit. Hopefully, Russ gets his head out of his butt and, and throws the ball a little bit better. Um, I don't know if Jerry Judy is going to be in the game, so that could have even more of an impact. I haven't heard on that yet. As far as I know, it's still going to be Cortland Sutton is going to be the the wide receiver one. Um, I'm I'm also interested to see uh, Javante Williams um, continuing here uh, as he's trying to recover from an ACL. So, all right, that's the last for 4 p.m. games. Jumping into the 8 p.m. game on Sunday, Miami Dolphins are returning to the East Coast 1-0 after a big win in L.A. last week to face Belichick and the Patriots, who did keep it within five in their loss last week to the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike McDaniel's squad is ridiculously athletic and speedy and can put points up very quickly, while the Patriots went air raid last week throwing the ball over 50 times with mac jones he had a decent game with three touchdowns and a pick but that miami team is dangerous belichick is the master of scheming against a team's strengths but you can only do so much when you've got that many speed threats on the field and miami's only favored by two points so what's your take on this to wrap up these sunday matchups yeah so you know belichick always likes to key on taking away the star of the other team so obviously probably going to be trying to take away Tyreek. Give me Waddle to have a big game. I want to see the Waddle in the end zone. I think they cover the two. They're going to run the ball a little bit more this week. Uh, I, I I am very happy with what I saw the Patriots offense last week against Philly, though. It was nice to see them actually like have an offense and be productive. That was a very big change from the previous year. But I do think Waddle goes off. Uh, give me the Dolphins minus the two and uh, 0-2 start for the Patriots. Yeah, 0 and 2 start. I'm right there with you. I've got Miami minus the two. Everything I've already said. I, I don't I definitely think that this is easily going to be a three point win for Miami, but I think it could be upwards of, of seven to ten points. Um Belichick always seems to keep it close with these teams. And that Mac Jones throwing the ball fifty times, I was like, you know, if you tell me that Mac Jones is going to throw the ball fifty times, I would not tell you that he's going to go three touchdowns and a pick. So the Bill O'Brien effect is already in progress. That's a good sign for New England. Um, a little concerned with some of the stuff that you're seeing around Juju. Um, I don't know if you've read through any of that, but apparently he's just like having some, I don't know if it's mental issues or what, but he seems to be struggling a little bit. Um, I hope he finds the help that he needs. I mean, he played, but um, you know, he has an opportunity to be the number one receiver in a in an offense that is looking to score points the way that Bill O'Brien runs it. So Hopefully he can get things pulled together, but yeah, I see the Patriots starting the season 0-2 here, so I'll take Miami minus the two. All right, um, moving into Monday, we actually have a double header. So starting at 7 o'clock, um, we kick things off with the 1-0 Saints who are hitting the road to Charlotte to visit the 0-1 Carolina Panthers. Uh, wins in the NFC South are extremely important this year with these teams all being so close, and right now it's super important to the Carolina Panthers because they are currently the only team that doesn't have a win. Uh, it's only after week one, but the other three teams in the AFC South have a W. So Derek Carr and the Saints are favored by three. Who are you going with here? Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Saints. Uh, Bryce Hunt, Bryce Young will be in his home debut. I still, I like the Panthers. I like what they're doing, but I think the Saints are still just a little bit, I, like I said, I, I, I like them to win this division. I think they're the better team, and I, I think they'll cover this. Keep it rolling. Yeah, I've, I think these guys are going to split the matchup this year. Um, I actually am taking Carolina in this one, so... It's going to be a tight game, uh, Carolina being at home, Bryce Young being hyped up to be in Charlotte. I think the stadium's going to be loud. 
Um, I've got a, a buddy that lives up in Charlotte. It's a pretty big uh, a Panthers fan, and a lot of those guys are really excited for this team uh, between the additions of Miles Sanders and Bryce Young, obviously. Uh, Brian Burns is out there now. Uh, they've they've got some some pieces in place. Uh, they're by no means, I think, the favorites in the NFC South, but as we've talked about a lot, it's kind of up in the air with you know the Saints, I think, are in the lead there, but the rest of them is just kind of a crapshoot. Uh, but the Carolina Panthers, I think, need to win this game because the Bucks have a chance to start two and zero, which I don't think anybody would have seen. And if the Bucks and the Saints are both two and zero, you are already at a two game disadvantage uh, to try to win this NFC South. Um, and they already have uh, one loss under their belt with uh, NFC South team with the, the loss last week. So we'll see what happens. But I, I'm going to pick the Carolina Panthers to pull this one out at home. Last game of the week, guys. Um, the second of a doubleheader for Monday. The Cleveland Browns are traveling to Pittsburgh after a huge win against the Bengals to face Kenny Pickett in the Steelers, who were coming off a loss where they got rattled by the 49ers. We talked about how the Steelers came into the season with some high expectations, and the talent on the roster says they're better on both sides of the ball than what they showed last week. Meanwhile, Cleveland held Burrow on lockdown throughout the game, and that defense only gave up three points to a Bengals squad that is full of offensive weapons. The upside to Pittsburgh here is that the Cleveland offense isn't as dynamic as the 49ers and as good as Cleveland's defense can be. They're also not the 49ers. Uh, Cleveland is only a one and a half point favorite and they're traveling to Pittsburgh. Who are you going with? Uh, so it was a huge uh, debut at, for defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, former Lions coach. He's, he's one of the few Lions coaches in the past that I actually really like. I, I love his fiery attitude. I, he's been a great defensive coordinator. He went to after he left, he was great there. I I love what he did with Cleveland's defense, but I think this has to be a get-right game for Pittsburgh. I don't think they're going to be 0-2, so I think Pittsburgh, I'll, I'll take the one and a half. I think they're going to win outright, and I, I think that we might start to see things get back to normal. Yep, yeah, right there with you. I've got um, the Steelers winning this game. Uh, Cleveland's going to come into it, play some solid defense, but I I think the that 49ers game is going to wake some people up at, at – Hi, well, it's not Heinz Field now. What the hell is it called? Akersher. Akersher. Yeah, it's Heinz Field. Just like Deer Creek is always going to be Deer yes. Creek. Right. Uh, um, yeah, so I've, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers winning this game. So I'll, I'll take the, the plus one and a half here. All right, guys. Well, that's our week two picks. Um, hopefully week two goes a little bit better than last week. Um, the last thing we have to cover here is our locks for the week. So my lock is Miami versus New England. Uh, I'm going to take Miami in that one, and that is my Sherlock of the week. Workman, who is your lock going to be? Um, as much as I like Philly minus seven against Minnesota, I think my lock is going to be the 49ers minus the eight. Like I've said before, I've just seen this battle too many times. I, I've seen what happens. Um, if the Rams come out, if McVay puts another plan together like he did against Seattle and the Rams find a way to win this game, uh, we're, we've got a lot to talk about with the Rams then. Uh, it's going to be a huge, huge swing to the season. But I like the Niners minus the eight. I think we see uh, status quo here from what we've seen the last few regular season games. And I, th I think they cover pretty easily. Right on, guys. Well, you heard it. Um, the lock for this week for me is Miami against New England. And Workman's lock is going to be the 49ers against the L.A. Rams. That wraps up our week two show. Um, we will be back with you guys next Tuesday. As always, uh, please follow us on social. Um, you've got that down here on the bottom right of our screen now. It's at Tuesday night TD pod, T-U-E-S-N-I-G-H-T-T-D pod. 
That is our handle for all of our uh, branded socials. Uh, you also have our individual uh, X or Twitter. I can't say X. It's fucking Twitter. Our Twitter Stupid. handles at Z Reese Downing and at Jacob Workman. Uh, feel free to hit us up on either one of those. If you guys have any locks for the week or predictions or any topics that you guys would like to hear us talk about, um, please drop them on our uh, socials and we will uh, bring them up in the next show. Uh, but that is all we have for today. Workman, do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off here? Uh, same announcement as last week. Eat them up, lions. Eat them up. Yeah, man. Get loud, man. I love it. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good week. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. As always, please like, follow, share, tell all your friends to listen to us. Uh, if if uh, this goes similar to college football, um, our week zero was horrible, and then we turned it around. So I am hopeful uh, that the same thing happens here as we move into week two and beyond. Um, again, this is Reese Downing for Jacob Workman. This is Tuesday Night Touchdown Podcast, NFL Edition Week 2. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Goodbye.